Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What is up? It's a gold fam. Happy Monday. Today, my guest is Barry Magliardidi, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, philanthropist, and spiritual guide. Through his global coaching enterprise, The Game Changers, Barry has mentored thousands of business owners to scale to seven figures and beyond while creating a life of balance, freedom, and fulfillment. His podcast, The Comeback Game, and The Trady Business School have over 2 million downloads. Today, Barry spends his days surfing, writing, and creating meaningful change in the world through his professional channels and grassroots business initiatives, helping others upgrade their beliefs, attitudes, and spiritual connection to reach their fullest potential. I love this episode. In this episode, we dive into how people perceive money and trade their time for money as opposed to trading their time in the pursuit of their dreams. And we dive into intuition, living with intentionality, and listening to that whisper in your voice. All right. Thanks so much for coming on the Bits of Gold podcast today. Excited to have you on. Grateful to be here, Dan. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah. So just before we kicked it off, you had mentioned you're in Bali. I'm in freezing New York. What's the weather like in Bali these days? Is it always... I see the pictures on Instagram, Facebook, things like that. Yeah. It's pretty warm every day. We're just coming at the back end of the <laughs> rainy season. So usually, you know, you get a get a storm once a day, but it's still nice and balmy and warm and uh, the sun is shining. That's awesome. What brought you to Bali? How do you end up there? Uh, intuition. It was weird. Like coming into the end of 2019, I felt that I needed to get out of Australia. Didn't exactly know why. Didn't want to travel because I'd basically been traveling, you know, every other week for the five or six years prior to that. But I don't know. I didn't feel like I was at home there. Had a prompting and urge to to leave, and I thought, oh well, I'll go to Bali and maybe uh, do my dive master course or yoga teacher training. Just take some time to kind of chill out and decompress after a busy few years. And you know, I got here, and within a few days, felt like home. And then a few months later, the pandemic hit. Got it. I know you're um, you're a surfer, and I want to dive into that. But I'm assuming Bali is that a big spot for surfing? Yeah, I never surfed before I moved to Bali. It's something that's been picked up in the last year and a half or so. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of great waves here in and around Indonesia. That's awesome. I've like been on a surfboard with a buddy, but never went to, never actually learned how to surf. And actually right now I was supposed to be in uh, Panama, but I booked a flight. I went, I was going to the surf camp and like literally the day I'm trying to check in and I realized that my passport expired. So I'm stuck in the cold here in New York, but awesome. So thanks so much for coming on this episode today. Really pumped to have you on. I'm really excited to share your story. And would love to just take it back. I know that you're a very successful entrepreneur now. And it sounds like you had a tremendous success early on in your when you were 18, you started your first business. And I'd love to just like take it back to wherever the beginning is for you. Yeah. So I kind of left school and I had a good idea of what I wanted to do. Like for me in Australia, uh, you can leave high school at year 10. There's not a requirement to do year 12 or go on to college or university and so forth. And I was pretty keen to get in and start a trades business. I'd 
kind of always liked to build things in my hands. And so that was where I basically found myself. I left school and three days later found myself in a trades job and advanced, I guess, through my apprenticeship very, very quickly. And it kind of brought me to yeah, around 18 years old, 19 years old, when uh, I was working for someone that wasn't treating me very good. And one day after a, a misunderstanding, I just felt this intuition that it was time for me to, to kind of leave. And it was a very easy decision, but something that didn't make sense to my brain because, you know, I had a mortgage, I had bills to pay, I didn't have any cash behind me, but I just felt in my heart it was time for me to, to exit this job and to, to see what was there. And I remember about three weeks later, I was around at my mum's house having lunch and I said to her that I was worried, but I wasn't worried because back then I kind of would worry about everything. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I don't know. I feel really content and comfortable, like being unemployed and I'm worried that I don't know, like I'm going to run out of money. I've got a mortgage payment next week. And she said, oh, you'll find your way. You always do. And I think it was the next day I put a put an ad in the local newspaper saying, you know, local handyman, no job too big or small. And that was the, the start of my very first business, which was ended up being a kitchen and bathroom manufacturing company. Let's just go backwards. So you have this job, you're making good money. Sounds like you have a mortgage, you have bills to pay. How difficult was, like, was it to, was it very easy to leave the job or... Because I know you, you mentioned difficult decision or hard decision, but you knew like you wanted to leave, but how difficult was it to leave behind that security? To be honest, at that point, as far as I can remember, it was an easy decision because I'd just been copying so much abuse and conflict for the months prior. So when it got to this particular day where my boss is like yelling down the phone at me over something that had nothing to do with me, I just felt this this inner prompting. It was like, you know what? Like, I'm out. Like I've got to leave. And I literally had no idea what I was doing or where I was going, but I just knew that I couldn't stay there and continue to, to tolerate the abuse anymore. That makes sense. I think, and I'm curious, you know, I want to get into obviously more your story and how you're working with, you know, thousands of people today, helping them grow and scale their business and build their dream life. But I see a lot of people who, and I've been in this predicament before in my own life, but who sort of let's let's call it where the golden handcuffs where they're at a job that doesn't make them so happy, but they're making good money. And I'm 28 now, but I see sort of as I continue to live my life and get older, family, kids, things like that on the horizon, how like the handcuffs, I want to call it, become more difficult because, you know, you start making maybe more money, your lifestyle starts to slowly increment. And obviously, you know, it's your life to do what you want to do with it. But I see it. That's a very common theme with people in their late 20s, early 30s, you know, going to a job that they don't like, they don't enjoy, but the wrestle between, hey, I'm making good money. What do I want to do? Things like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge, and there's so many ways to to approach what you've just shared. And I think first and foremost, you know, the pandemic in the last two years have taught us that you know we really aren't in control. It's this false belief that we live in that we believe that we are the ones in control. And I'm not going into conspiracies and talking about governments and stuff like that, but there's nothing stopping you walking out the front of your house right now and being hit by a bus. You know, like things, things like that happen and we have this false belief that we are the ones that are in control. But what we're actually in control of is the decisions that we make, right? What we're actually in control of is whether or not we choose to listen to our inspiration and, and intuition, which I believe is guiding us to a much higher quality of life than what majority of people are living. You know, my dad's just retired after 30 years doing the job that he was doing. And for a good part of that, he wasn't happy. For a good part of that, he wasn't necessarily enjoying the interactions he was having with his employer. Right, he loved his job, but probably didn't really appreciate the way he was being treated. And I just see so often people that stick with something because it's certain, 
right? They stay in abusive relationships. They stay in jobs that they don't like because it's better the devil you know than the devil you don't know, right? It's like, although this this situation is not amazing, it's like, at least I know what I'm getting. And this is happening at a very unconscious level, right? I guess some of the stuff that I start to tackle and approach in my new book, because a lot of these decisions are being made unconscious. But the reality is, look at, look at the big upheaval a lot of people had the last two years. People lost their jobs. People lost loved ones. People got, got forced to be locked inside. And people are like, oh, Barry, look at you. Like, you know, you're living in Bali where we've basically had hardly any restrictions. You know, the two lockdowns we had, we could still visit the gym, providing we wore a mask, right? But the reality is, is that that was all based on me making a decision. Now, whether the decision was comfortable or not is, is irrelevant. Decisions lead to the results and to the experiences we have in life. Absolutely. I remember talking to a close friend and you hear people and I'm sure you know you see it all the time in your line of business, but people have different definitions maybe of what they define as like a job, right? Like, And I don't want to generalize here, but I would say older people who are more of like the previous generation, maybe they're like, you know, a job is to pay the bills. That's that's why you would go get a job and it's to take care of your family. And that I would say, at least from my own experience, is has been a fairly consistent message that I've received from like older family members or older friends and things like that. But like, it's really my belief, you know, that to wake up when you're 40 years old or 50 years old, miserable, or just not enjoying your nine to five or things like that to provide a little bit extra security for your family or your lifestyle. It's like, just as you woke up every single day to pursue that, you could have chosen to live your life with a little bit more intention, maybe made a little bit less, but been a lot more happier. Yeah, I think too, like if I, you know, we employ a lot of staff across various businesses and there's definitely a different mentality from the older generations to younger generations. And that's one thing that I see, like I see the younger generations, you know, there is almost more of an aspiration to a sense of consciousness and creating change as opposed to like you talked about the older generation is kind of like, oh, like just do your job, you know, get your paycheck, live your life kind of thing. But I guess, you know, the younger we are, the more opportunity we do actually have to take risk right? Because there's more years ahead of us. So the more risk that we take earlier on, any of those perceived bad situations or, or challenges we get ourselves into actually provide us the greatest opportunities for growth. Opportunities happen outside of what's comfortable for us. Opportunities happen when we're doing something different, not when we're doing something the same. So it's like, if you want to turn out like your parents, that's completely okay, right? Do what they've done. If you want a different version of that, change some things up. But the reality is, is, is like, I guess, if you wake up in the morning, are you inspired by what you're going to get up and do? You know, Steve Jobs has that famous quote that he used to go and look in the mirror every morning. It's like, am I excited about what I'm going to do today? And if the answer was no too many days in a row, he knew it was time to mix things up. Absolutely. Let's go back to you're starting this business. You put the, the ad in the paper. How was the process of starting your, your first business? It was a home improvement business? Yeah. So it started off home improvements and I put the ad in the paper. I, I got a few jobs. I had no idea about business, you know, and back then I think I was charging around $30 an hour, which I thought, this is great. This is more than I was getting paid working for my boss. But no one taught me about, uh, you know, government services tax, about normal tax, about overheads and cost of goods or anything else like that. And it wasn't until a few months later that I sat down with a, with a bookkeeper that I had a rude awakening where I was actually paying clients to work for them because I was undercharging myself. It was relatively easy to start the business, although I had this moment where I woke up and I was like, oh my God, like it's all on me now. Like I should have asked more questions from my bosses. I should have learned more around what they were doing with their business and what was working. But I guess one thing that got me through, Dan, is that I didn't want to let people down. 
So every job that I did, I did meticulously. I did to such a high quality that when I left, they referred me on to other people. They called me back to work for them again and business took off and grew quite fast. That's awesome. How long were you building that business for? My first business, I grew to multi-million dollars in about five and a half years. So I ended up having 15 full-time staff, four contractors and a few million dollars in turnover. And at that point, would you say like, what was getting you out of bed in the morning when you were building that business? Was it the money? Was it the excitement in the business? Was it a little bit of everything? There was a lot of phases along that that path, like over that period of time. And initially it was like, I guess, the creation of something for me, being my own man, being my own boss. And I remember when I started my business, like, you know what? I want to get myself in a position where that when I eventually have kids, when I eventually have a family, I can have time off and I've got money coming in. Because Growing up, unfortunately, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with my dad because he was always going to work to provide for the family. And I was like, you know what? I want to start off early and, and get ahead so eventually I can be in a position that when I have a family, I'm there for them. But it definitely changed. You know, through that journey, it went from that to hiring staff and to then you know, getting out of bed, making sales and bringing jobs in just to keep the doors open and to keep the cash flow going. Got it. Yeah. As an entrepreneur myself, it's interesting to see how your own personal feelings or experience evolve as a business evolves and grows. And I actually found in like some of my previous businesses, as the business grew, some of the excitement or enjoyment maybe changed because it becomes more, maybe more stressful in some cases when it's like, oh, you got to bring in deals just to keep the doors open. And almost it feels like at some points, maybe if your back's against the wall a little bit, that you sort of have a job that you're trying to just like maintain, you know, keep the doors afloat, keep the doors open. 100%. Yeah. More so for me, in the end, it felt like a prison cell you know, where I was just, it wasn't even my business anymore. I was just a puppet that turned up that, that had to do what I needed to do to get the thing going. I had that many staff and that much turnover, but I wasn't making huge amounts of money because of how fast we were growing. All that money was being sucked back up into inventory and I built a business that relied on me. So I couldn't even go to the shop to get lunch without my phone ringing 50 times from my staff or clients or suppliers asking me questions. You know, I didn't know about systemizing. I didn't know about leadership. I didn't know about cash flow management, none of that stuff. And so I basically built myself a, a multi-million dollar job. What was it like, I guess, waking up? You know, you just used like, you built yourself your own prison. What was it like waking up? I'm assuming like, you know, did you have an aha moment where, you, you know, you started to, where the business was no longer so exciting or the position you were in was no longer so exciting? What did it feel like, you know, for the business to evolve into essentially a prison cell? The wake up call was when my partner at the time, who I had two kids with, I got home from work one day late and she said, I'm leaving you. Like I'm taking the kids and I'm I'm moving back where my parents are in WA. We we're in Tasmania at the time in Australia. And uh, she said, yeah, like I'm gone. Like I love you, but I can't keep doing this. Like you're working ridiculous hours. You're not here. And even when you are here, you're not present. She's like, I need, I need more support. I can't do this anymore. And I kind of thought, how dare you? Like I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for the kids. Had no idea at the time. Couldn't see uh, subjectively that she was having the same experience that I was, you know, we're both heavily in survival mode and certainly not there for each other and certainly not, didn't have that business of having the money and having the time for my kids and for my family. What did you do, I guess, after in, in that moment? Was it like, hey, I'm going to close down my business? What did you do? No, and initially it was like, you know, see you later. Like, you know, if you don't support me, like go. And it was all about me and my story and what I was experiencing because I was heavily in survival mode. And so, uh, you know, I, I drove her and the kids back to, to Perth, which was a 10-day drive, dropped them off and flew back home. And it was about two weeks after I got back to the business. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? 
You know, like I started this business so that eventually when I had a family, I could be there for them, that I could have the money coming in. And not only does that not happen, like it's cost me my life. I've got no friends. I've got no social activities. Like all I'm doing is getting up every day and grinding for 16 hours, 18 hours a day. And at the end of the week, I've got nothing to show for. I'm getting paid less than my employees. So how does the Game Changers come about? How do you get there? You know, take me through, like, how do you, were you always into like self-help and working on yourself? It's, it seems like that came much later on. Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you the shortened version. I guess any of the, the viewers or listeners that want to find out more can check out my website. I've got a bunch of different interviews there where I, I break down different parts of the journey. But essentially, that business ended up going bankrupt. I tried to find a way to get out. And, you know, after six months of, of trying to find a way to, to exit, to sell, to bring in partners so I could kind of go and rebuild the relationship with my partner, I got screwed over by somebody and was in a position that I had no choice but shut down. So filed for bankruptcy, $1.3 million, lost all my assets, lost my credibility, and moved to WA with my tail between my legs and a thousand bucks to my name to try to rebuild my relationship with my partner. At that point, you just put business like completely on hold. Yeah, I just got to the point. She's like, I'll wait for you, but I'm not going to wait forever. And it got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm either going to lose my family or lose my business or take my own life. You know, that was kind of the three, the three choices that I had. And I was like, you know, I'm destined for more than where I'm at right now. And my family is going to be there long, long after the, the business. So I made the decision to, to let go of the business and to try to rebuild the relationship with her and the kids. Did you have a mentor or someone to like? Coaching wasn't a thing, man. We're talking, this was 10 years ago. You know, in Australia, coaching wasn't a thing back then. Like Tony Robbins was kind of the guy. And I guess that's how my, my development journey started. It was six months after that I was like, man, like I want to I wanna find out how I messed up things so bad. And so I started looking for answers and came across, ended up buying a Tony Robbins box set CD set. And I listened to this thing. And the second track in, I was like, man, this is what I want to do. Like I want to I wanna help people, but not with business. You know, like I want to help people that are struggling with, depression or anxiety or like emotions or aren't feeling like they belong or any of this sort of stuff and ended up doing a diploma in life coaching, learning NLP, different psychotherapies, uh, never at all thinking that I would end up back in my own business or coaching business owners because from my perspective, like I'd failed. Like that chapter was kind of done and this was more around how can I, how can I just help myself realize and understand how I created that situation. How did you start working with people or businesses? Yeah, well, I started this coaching course and I was working a job and I was like, you know what? Like, if I'm going to coach people, I need to get paid a certain amount of money. Otherwise, it's not even worth my time. I might as well go and work my job because it was all about like time for money and that mentality. And so I ended up starting to attract a few clients and I helped them with anxiety. I had a lot of people that had been sexually abused kind of show up in my space. And it was about six months later, I woke up one morning and I had a message from one of my clients who's a business owner. And said, man, like ever since I started working with you, my business has just grown and my cash has exploded, like my mentality, my relationships. And I started noticing over the next few months, a lot of my clients were saying the same things. And I realized all my clients are business owners. And I was like, isn't that funny that I've attracted business owners to clients, helped them work on their mindset, their psychology, you know, what's kind of been holding them back personally. But then as a result, their business has grown. And so then I started to, to, I guess, niche down into offering that psychological support for business owners. And sure enough, that evolved over the past sort of eight, nine years to where we now have a full-fledged coaching company that helps people everything from their mindset psychology to setting up system processes, structures, cash flow management, sales, marketing, like a full 
end-to-end suite for uh, small to medium business owners. The story is crazy because you start obviously building your own business. You have some level of, of success. Everything goes away. And you said you didn't know much of, of anything as it relates to reading cash flow analysis, things like that. And now you're helping thousands do this day in and day out. Did you go to a coaching school or like how, how do you just start getting into the coaching game? I never enjoyed reading. And so the first book that I read was having to read for this coaching course. And I was so motivated. Like I remember reading the school up and I was like, look, I really want to do this coaching course. They're like, that's 15,000. I was like, I haven't got that. They're like, oh, we can put you in a payment plan. I was like, great. And I went through my story and then they're like, oh no, we can't give you a payment plan because you're bankrupt. And I said to them, hang on, like you're the only school in the world that offers a guarantee that if you don't make your tuition fees back within 12 months, you'll give a full refund. You're also a school that helps people work through things that block them in life, yet you're not willing to, to believe in me and offer me a payment plan because I'm bankrupt. There's a bit of incongruency there. And so they said, let us call you back. And they called me back and they said, look, if you can find two grand, we'll put you in this course. So I was motivated, right? And I started reading the course material and I showed up and I was like, I'm so motivated to find out what's going on inside of me and to create change in my life. But I just started reading everything I had that I could find. You know, I started reading books on um, self-develop. I started reading books on financial management, on systemization. And sure enough, as my business started to grow, I was like, hang on, doesn't matter what happened to me in the past, I can learn from my mistakes, but I can also learn skill sets I need for the future. And so I guess I started noticing like, where are my biggest weaknesses? Right, it's within money, right? I need to work on my money mindset. So I'd go and hire a coach to do a course that worked on money mindset and I'd go and read books on it. And I just started throwing every single dollar that I was earning back into growing my brain and growing my knowledge and growing my understanding. How would you say on the money side, right? Like obviously your first business, you're in the home improvement business. It sounds like at that point, you're early on in your late teens, early 20s. And it sounds like like money was the driver, right? At that point, it sounds like money was really like the pursuit. I'm curious how your relationship or your view on money is like evolved, obviously now much later in life. I'll give you two perspectives because obviously we work with a lot of people. So we see a lot of people show up into our programs at different stages. And I feel that as much as people like, oh, no, money's not a driver. If you ain't got any, like it's one of the fundamental needs, right? If you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, safety, survival, security on the base level, money's a part of that. Like we operate in a, in a world where we require money to survive, right? So regardless of where we are, I see people all the time, myself included, they need to get to that point where they're no longer in survival mode that they have enough cash coming in to at least live. They can put a roof over their head, they can put food on the table, they can put petrol on the car, but that's the base need. But this interesting thing happened within myself and I noticed in our clients too, is that once you start pushing past that area of survival, there's almost a mindset shift that happens where people want to contribute to others. And I see it time and time again. So for me, I went from survival to then being in this place of like, oh, I can buy myself nice things now and spending money on materialistic possessions nice cars, a nice house, a nice watch and things like that. But then I hit this wall where it's like that no longer fulfilled me and it felt a bit mundane, but I also noticed my businesses hemorrhaged, they lagged. They hit this point where I couldn't break through revenue. And for me, what I realized, it was because my why or my reasoning behind growing that business wasn't strong enough. I had everything I wanted more. I could buy what I needed, but what I was missing was the passion for doing what I was doing right? Or helping my people or helping the clients and so forth. And that was where, then I guess I had a significant shift where I stopped focusing on the money and I started focusing on, well, how can I create a greater impact for my employees? How can I create a greater impact for my clients? Right? How can I help them to grow faster? More- 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Profitably with less stress. And that was where that glass ceiling of what I was able to earn and this trade-off for time to money really got removed for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I think money's a theme that comes up quite a bit on this podcast and with people that I've had on really talking about in the pursuit of like trying to build your dream life, how money can really, really fuck with that pursuit. Because, you know, I've talked to so many people who have shared their own stories where it's like, I've left the security of making X dollars to make a little bit less. And ultimately, I'm a lot more happy today. I'm a lot happier today. It's something that I see all the time with like even people in my social circle here in New York, that it's hard, I guess, to leave the certainty that we spoke about earlier for a greater level of uncertainty in the pursuit of something that really makes you happy. Look at what like the pandemic has done. Though. The pandemic has forced a lot of people out of that certainty into a, into a place of complete uncertainty. Now, I remember when uh, I flew back to Australia at the start of the pandemic, ended up getting stuck there. And I remember I ran a, a live training for our coaching clients because they were all freaking out. You know, businesses being shut down, couldn't trade, couldn't leave their home. And I remember running this webinar and I said to them, look, I've never been through a pandemic before. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you with absolute certainty what to do and what not to do. But I have been through a financial recession. I have been through bankruptcy. And I'm telling you right now, the main thing that we can all do is manage the level of certainty, Right. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I'm going to come out the other side of this fitter, stronger, more emotionally, spiritually, and financially better off than when I started it. Now, I don't know how that's going to happen, but that's the mindset I'm entering. Now, with all this uncertainty, all I did was introduce more certainty. So I brought in daily ritual and routine, exercise, meditation, reading, playing guitar. I focused on what I could control and took my focus away from what I couldn't control. Now, during that period of time, I would like to say that 100% of our clients come at the other end better off. We had quite a few clients leave because they were too focused on the uncertainty. They were too focused on the narrative of what was being posted on social media and not focused on what was in their realm of control within the business. We had some people that pivot from running a a bricks and mortar business that offered a, a service to selling masks or hand sanitizer and made tons of money, right? The reality was is that the people that were willing to move into that area of uncertainty were the ones that came out of it financially 
better off? I would say like sort of towards the middle of the pandemic. I don't know if it was also going on in like Bali or Australia, but here like people were doing puzzles and people started getting into like sourdough baking, bread baking kits was like a very hot thing here. But the one thing that I said early on into the pandemic that was really interesting was that tons of people who never took a moment in their life to ask like, how do I want to spend my time? I think took that step back and started asking themselves, how do I want to spend my day? Which I think ultimately, you know, is for a lot of people is more just like after, all right, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And more where now it was like, how do I actually want to spend the hours that I have today? Yeah, 100%. It forced everyone to take a moment to pause. And I don't care what anyone's point of view is on the pandemic, on the mandates, on the borders and any of that sort of stuff. My honest belief is that's happening, right? Like regardless, that, that stuff's happening, regardless of your belief. I also believe that we're be, being given the biggest opportunity in history to tune into our own intuition, to tune into our own heart and ask ourselves, what is it that I want to do with my life? What inspires me? What is the legacy that I want to leave? Now, whether that's creating the next Apple iPhone or electric car, or whether that's just creating the biggest difference in homeschooling your kids is irrelevant. But we are given the opportunity right now to sit down, to take a pause, to ask ourselves, how do I want to spend my life? And to pursue that. Absolutely. Just for those listening, I know like you have a suite of companies. Can you just talk a little bit about all the different businesses that you do have? So yeah, the, the coaching company, uh, the Game Changers was my first one after that bankruptcy. And essentially that company helps entrepreneurs and business owners to scale businesses profitably so that they can work at the founder, right? So our kind of goal is until you have a business that works without you, you have a job. So this is where with hindsight, I can look back at everything I went through and went, you know what, that was the biggest gift and the biggest blessing that I was given. Because after being in the trenches and coming out the other side, I'm educated to help people and with my team to help people to, to never have to experience what we did. So that company exists to help people to build businesses profitably that can work with us. From that, we had a lot of our clients want to poach some of my team who are virtual in Philippines. So we decided to open up recruitment business in the Philippines to hire amazing virtual assistants to place them into Western businesses, anything from appointment setting roles to general admin roles to specific skill sets. So we have that business, which is called Alchemy Outsourcing. Essentially, we, we interview the clients and find out where the biggest amount of time is going into areas that aren't their highest skill set, that we can hire somebody, systemize it, and have somebody on a lower salary because of living conditions but still get paid well to do that role to free the founder up to focus on their areas of expertise. I own a suite of shares in a commission only sales company, which aligns very well. A lot of business owners don't want to sell. Uh, so we go in and sell for them uh, for commission only, own shares in an accountancy and bookkeeping business. A lot of businesses don't have solid accounts and bookkeeping, which was again, a big challenge that I used to have. And so having a company that operates under the Game Changers, I guess, methodology and way of doing things, we can help take control and make sure that the businesses have good cash flow, good record of accounts. There's a few other ones. And then we recently opened up a business here in Bali for fun, which is a vitamin infusion and blood testing analysis clinic, just sort of starting to play in that field of biohacking and helping people improve performance. Is it hard to manage all those businesses or at this point, like, I don't want to say not really, but I'm sure you have, you know, a very efficient, effective system to actually run the businesses. But is it challenging to have, I understand there's all like alignment in them, but to have numerous businesses and be running them all simultaneously? You never avoid having problems or challenges in life. 
but you just become a lot more okay with dealing with them and you freak out a lot less. Like when something pops up for me, it's like, wow, what a blessing. That's just showing us an area where we haven't got a system or a, a resource in place to ensure that, that thing doesn't happen, right? As opposed to in the past, I'd get angry or pissed off or upset or lose my shit. But to be honest, you know, out of all the companies, I think there's seven or eight currently that I'm involved in, I spend less than four hours a week being involved in those companies. Once you've got your first business to a position where it can run without you, you've got good team in place, you've got good systems in place, it's very, very easy to replicate that, that again. Yeah, the hardest part is going through and learning that skill set for the first time. But once you have that nailed down, once you have that, that up and running and working, it's very easy to be able to start to notice opportunities in the marketplace and get involved to where, again, you can build businesses that don't require a lot of your time. But right now, my, my core position is I sit on the board. I offer strategic advisement for companies that either approach me and, and want to offer me shares in their businesses or my current businesses as well. But I have amazing leadership teams that run the day-to-day. -day. Oh, that's awesome. How did you get into writing? You recently launched your, your best-selling book, Sex, Drugs, and Radical Self-Expression. Have you always been a writer or does that come along later on in life? Man, if you, if you see any of the social media posts that I actually write, you'll see there's a huge amount of spelling and grammatical issues because uh, definitely not <laughs> a strong point of mine. But it was actually, uh, so part of the reason that I moved to Bali uh, was that I exited the Game Changers operationally. I felt there was an incongruency of us providing the service for clients, yet I was still working my business. So I was like, I'm going to exit the company and go through the process we're helping our clients go through. That was how surfing came up, playing the guitar and also writing, because I knew that if I exited and didn't have things to go on to, I would just find more business and find more hustle. And the whole point was trying to break, I guess, that mold that I'd been in for a long time. And so I felt that I was at a level that I'd finally achieved the success that I could write my first book, which you'll see there, The Path to Freedom, which is basically the specific methodology that we take our clients through at the Game Changers to build businesses that work without them. So that was, that was the first book that I wrote was basically just consolidating my knowledge and my expertise and the process we'd been through hundreds and thousands of times before into a, like honestly a step-by-step -step guide that you could pick up the book and chapter after chapter implement the steps and, and build the business that way. How does writing come about for you? How does that come into your life? It's funny. So when I moved to Bali, part of the reason of moving to Bali was that at the time I was running the game change and I felt there was an incongruency. We were helping people to build businesses that work without them, yet I was still at the forefront of my business. And so I was like, to be congruent in what we offer, I need to exit my business operationally and have the thing run without me. I hired an integrator, I exited, I moved to Bali, uh, I took up surfing, I took up playing the guitar. And I was like, you know what? I feel like I've reached a level of success now in business where we have a methodology that works time and time again, I'm going to consolidate that into book to reach and to help a lot more people that we'll never see through the work that The Game Changers does. So that was the, the first book that I wrote up here, The Path to Freedom, which is very condensed, very specific and easy to follow guide of the steps that we take our clients through The Game Changers to build proper business works without us. So that was my first book. It was super easy to put together and to write. But again, that's helped a lot of people to go through the methodology and to, to build a business in that way. And what about your most recent book, Sex, Drugs, Radical mm -hmm. Self-Expression? So it sounds like your first book is much more like the methodology that you could apply in your own life or in your own business to ultimately build your business to run without you. Yeah. Majority of the decisions I make in life, Dan, come from this inner intuition that I've, I guess I've been developing over the last 20 years. And I felt called, I was like, I need to write a second book. I had no idea what it was going to be on. The working title initially was, was called The Spiritual CEO. I thought I wanted to teach people how to 
be a, a leader of a company based on intuition. You know, that was how I was growing my business. That was how I was advising other businesses I was involved in. And I was like, no one's really spoke about using intuition as a tool for growth in business. And so this book I rocked up, there was no contents page. There was no like specific methodology. I was like, I'm just going to sit down every week and kind of in a way just channel what was alive for me in that week and put together this book. And so I started going through that process with my ghostwriter and we got to like chapter four or chapter five. And I was like, man, this is not about leadership. This is not about, this is about so much more than that. This is about how we can actually resolve all of our past conditioning and traumas, how we can also develop a deep sense of intuition to live a life of purpose, to live a life of fulfillment. You know, and this book was being written during the pandemic. The first one was finished, I think it was like April or May, the start of the pandemic. This one was written throughout the pandemic. And uh, really what's come up, I guess, is a, to some degree is a manuscript of my experience of life personally through drug addiction to plant-based medicines, through development of, I guess, my mindset, psychology, past relationships. But really, it's a how-to guide to really give people permission to live a life of purpose and live a life of their deepest, deepest desire, deepest intuition. I guess it's everything we've been speaking about here. Like, how do you go from corporate job? How do you go from the everyday, the mundane of something that's not quite fulfilling you to living your, your ideal and dream life, which is probably not in Bali and probably not surfing. That's mine. What is it for you? And how can you work through this stuff internally that are possibly holding you back from that? So you mentioned intuition like a couple of times. I'm just curious, like what, is, what does intuition mean to you? And you know, I take it that that's something that is a very big piece of your life and how you live your life. What does that mean to you? And like, what would that mean to our listeners who are tuning in? My view is that, you know, when you look at kids, when they're born, they're born into a space where there is an intuition. Look at mothers, look at new mothers. They've never had kids before, yet there's something that flows through them that just knows what to do, right? That just has this innate knowing around, oh, my, my child needs their nappy chains. They need to be fed right now. They need to be burped right now. There's this almost this sense of knowing. That's not because they've necessarily learned it. You look at these kids, they know the difference between right and wrong often and push the boundaries, not because they've developed their brain yet or been to education. And I believe it's through this sense of a sixth sense or an intuition or an inner knowing. Yet, I don't know about you, but I wasn't brought up in a school that helped develop that intuition, that helped connect me to my emotions, to my heart. It's like, our oh, anger's bad, right? Rage is bad, right? Happiness, smiles are good. That was kind of the education a lot of us had growing up. Yet, what I learned over the years and through meeting a bunch of different spiritual teachers and, and practicing uh, different forms of meditation and so forth is that all of us have this sense of knowing right? This gut instinct that when we have those decisions to make is whispering which way to go. Yet so often in our life, we follow what we think is the right decision. And when we're following what we think is the right decision, that's most likely based on past experience. Now, if you've been cheated on in the last six relationships you've been in, how are you going to enter the next one? Are you going to enter the next one as a fresh slate? Or you're entering it thinking, man, I hope this woman doesn't cheat on me again. You're entering it with past experience. Yet intuition is going, approaching a, a situation going, wow, like, like what's alive for me right now? Which way am I feeling drawn to go? Even though maybe everything you've experienced past in life is telling you to, to go one way, sometimes intuition can say, go the other way. Now, Dan, have you ever had an experience where you've had a decision to make and you've had this gut feeling, right? Yet it just doesn't make sense. Everything is telling you to go a different way. And you followed what your brain has said. And things haven't worked out. <laughs> yeah, of course. Right. Have you also had the same experience where you've gone, you know what? I know this doesn't make sense, but I'm just going to follow, I'm going to follow that 
feeling, that whisper. And all of a sudden, doors have opened up you never even saw possible. Things have just miraculously, magically worked out. Yeah, of course. Definitely. Right. To me, that's the difference between living based on intuition or intellect. Now, our brain has a very important part to play. Otherwise, why would we have it? I just don't think that our brain should be the first place that we go to make decisions. I think it should be the second place we go after we've checked in with our intuition. We've checked in with, well, which way does this feel right? Cool. What's there for me? Why am I potentially feeling drawn towards that direction versus that direction? Our brain knows, don't touch the hot plate, it's hot, right? We don't need to check into our intuition for that. Yeah. How do you listen to that little voice or that whisper? When common sense or, you know, practicality maybe is telling you, don't do it, don't do it, but your heart's telling you, go that other direction. Yeah, there's a few things I'd say. It's like, it's similar but different to going to the gym, right? You go to the gym because you want the abs, because you want the biceps, you want the chest, right? You want the experience of feeling good or someone commenting on how you look. Like a lot of people, right? Men particularly. Yeah, you go there and lift weight once. Do you get, do you get that result from lifting weights once? Mm-hmm. No, you walk away most of the time feeling sore as shit for the next few days. You go back because you want the result. Now, every time you go back, it gets a bit easier. But what also happens is you start noticing little bumps and humps rock up in your body that weren't, weren't there previously. You see yourself in the mirror like, damn. So you keep going and you keep going. And then other people start to notice and other people start to comment. And you get the good feeling of that. So you keep going again, right? Until it becomes something that's just second nature. And you go there because it makes you feel good. Intuition is the same thing in many ways, right? Just because you listen to it once, it doesn't mean it's always going to be there. Because from my experience, intuition is not a yelling voice. It's a whisper. And the more that you start to listen to it, the more that you start to build a relationship with it to where it does become second nature, right? And this is where surfing is really interesting too, I find, is that when you're in the ocean, I often get this this, this urge is like, paddle out a little bit. And you paddle out and this set comes in and you realize that if you had have sat where you were sitting, you would have got wiped out. You would have copped to sit on the head. Oh, that's interesting. Right. There's this innate sense of knowing that gets that you start to develop through being within the ocean. Now, sometimes what you'll find is the first few times you start to follow your intuition, things turn to shit, right? And you can often question, well, I followed my heart and that woman broke up with me or I lost that client. But what actually is happening is you're making space for something better. Right. And sometimes in order to make space for something better, we must first knock down what was built previously. We need to level that building to create a new foundation to build a skyscraper where a shanty or a hut once stood. And this is what I talk about a lot in my book, Sex, Drugs and Radical Self-Expression is how do we start to build a better relationship with ourselves? Because unfortunately, a lot of us have built a relationship on social media, on experiences of others, on wanting to belong, on wanting to fit in right? There's all these perceived influences that we want to be like, yet how many people are truly waking up every morning inspired, happy, grateful for the life that they're living? I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people I speak to that aren't living that way. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Because they're, they're living a life unconsciously following the footsteps of their parents, right? They're living a life unconsciously following the footsteps of a perceived influencer. But unfortunately, what we see on social media is somebody else's highlight reel. We never see the behind the scenes footage. Look how many amazing artists and influencers commit suicide. And you're like, oh my God, that's such a surprise. Like they always look so happy. They had everything. They had the money, the fame, the objects. Yeah, I think it's really interesting hearing you talk about intuition. I talk quite a bit about building your life with a level of intentionality where when you wake up in the morning, you ask yourself, how do I want to spend 
my time today, really looking at it, like personally, what sort of woke me up to having this mentality. I lost both my parents young, my dad when I was 20, my mom when I was 25. And through those experiences, I learned that you can't control how much time you have on this earth. The only thing you can't control is how you spend the limited time that you're given. And you don't know how long that will be. So when you wake up in the morning every single day, I think the most important question that you can ask yourself is, how do I want to spend the limited time that I'm given today, this day, and then go and do that? And I think too many people don't live their life with a certain level of intention. They sort of, just like you said, wake up and they're living a life just sort of going with the wind, going wherever the wind blows. And that's sort of just like the life that they end up living. I know that we spoke about it pretty much at the beginning of this episode, but I think a lot of people, just like you know, you could wake up when you're 55 years old and have a, a good business or a great job, making good money, provide for your family. I really believe you can be very intentional when you wake up and ultimately build the same quality standard life that you would have having that shit job that you don't like, just as you can living your dream life every single day. So it's really interesting hearing you talk about leaning into your intuition, leaning into that whisper and following that voice, but it's hard to do. It certainly can be hard to do in the beginning. Again, like going to the gym, it's hard to do in the beginning. But if you show up and you do the reps, like you will build an incredible relationship with it where like, holy shit, things will open up in your life far beyond what you can even imagine right now. It's, it's certainly been the experience of myself and everybody else who I've talked this work through or that's been involved in this work is like, man, like life is so much easier when you don't have to think about, well, do I go left or do I go right? It's like, okay, what am I feeling called towards right now? The reality is that every single day we wake up, we are one step closer to dying. So why not at least take the chance of living a life of greatest inspiration, of greatest fulfillment, than living one that's not fulfilling you, that's not inspiring you, staying in a relationship you know is not giving you what you need, but you know what? I don't want to be alone, so I'm going to stay there. That's bullshit. You're robbing yourself and your partner of having a greater life by showing up to that. What would you say is the biggest takeaway that you would want your readers to come away from after you know reading the book? Absolutely, 100% permission for them to be themselves, right? I carried a lot of guilt and a lot of shame around my past and what I did and what happened to me that robbed me of my potential in the now and in the future. And regardless of what you've experienced to this point in time in your life, like, man, you've been through massive tragedy, losing your parents. There's multiple ways you could take that. You could take that as the, oh my God, the whole world's against me. Like I'm not worthy of being loved. Or you could take that as like, holy shit, like how can I find the gift in that? And how can I use that gift to help others, right? Which is what you just said. You're being intentional around how you're spending your day. And the reality is, is that we all have the opportunity to live a far better, more fulfilling life than what we are right now if we're intentional, if we're willing to let go of the stories that we've been using to hold ourselves back. I love that. We can start to wrap up this episode. This is the Bits of Gold podcast where we inspire people to ultimately build their dream life. So with that, what would be your bits of gold on how to build your dream life? I know we covered quite a bit, especially in the last like 15 minutes. Uh, look, I'll leave with just one and that, that's vulnerability. There is such a power in being able to show up to your friends and to your family and to fully own where you're at, fully own your experience, fully own your feelings, fully own what you want, your yeses and your noes. And allowing other people to have their judgments or not. But for me, you know, the moment that I started being vulnerable with who I actually was and where I was at in life was the moment that I started to attract authentic relationships that support me and nourish me and champion me on to continuously become a better version of myself. 
Barry, where can people find you, connect with you, learn more about your businesses? This place is barrymaglidity.com, M-A-G-L-I-A-R-D-I-T-I. There's links to my books, to my businesses, to connect me on social. That's barrymaglidity.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Appreciate it, Dan. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you like this episode, please take a minute, share with a friend, subscribe. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is where it's at. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.